Welcome to Rhode Island's Church and State Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Jessica. We're a husband and wife podcast. He's a pastor and I'm a state senator. So you've been warned. We're about to talk politics and religion. And anything else that might get us canceled. Hey, everybody. It's uh, David Delacruz. I'm with my wife, Jessica. Thanks for joining us for our 22nd episode of Church and State. We're doing this one on the road. Um, we're on a bit of a family vacation, but we wanted to make sure we're updating you on what is the last week of the state's, um, the state Senate, right, Jess? Yeah. Oh, actually, the whole General Assembly. The whole General Assembly, yep. going to be ending after this week. Uh, so how is it over there? A lot of I hear this is when all the bills just come out of committee. There's a flurry of bills and votes. Is that what's happening? It actually is exactly what's happening right now. There's a lot of bills coming out. And uh, one of them that we're going to highlight today is my very first bill that was passed. is a pro-2A piece of legislation. And it's something that uh, is absolutely necessary. Yeah, congratulations on that. Thank um, you. It's... Not um, it's not easy. I'm sure being the minority uh, in the minority party, five Republicans, thirty three Democrats, right? Super minority mm-hmm. uh, for you to be able to get legislation through. But yeah, that's a that's a Herculean feat. So congratulations. It sure is a Herculean feat. So uh, I thought you were going to introduce the legislation, but I will. Well, it's S one nineteen. Yes. Sub A. So uh, Sub A means that there had to be an amendment. There to had the to bill, be some right? changes. Yeah. So. What happens is every year, you know, I sit through judiciary and hear um, statistics on gun crimes, and they never pertain to Rhode Island. They're always national statistics. Mm. And I don't think it's fair. That was one of our funnest episodes, was talking about some of the When you pretended to be one of the moms demanding (laughs) action. (laughs) Yeah, I wanted to put a red shirt on. Yeah. Um, Those shirts are not allowed in our house. So, you know. (laughs) But anyways. Um, Yeah, so the legislation is really important because it it makes it so that the attorney general has to report um, this data to the um, the legislature. It will include things like uh, firearms charges that have been disposed of during the calendar year or the disposition of every case. So a lot of disposition times... Disposition meaning whether or not it was a plea bargain or mm, they were prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Right, which currently does not happen. Right. So. And, this, it, uh, this information, like we could uh, request it and we'd have to sift through the data. This, is, this legislation makes it so that Attorney General puts all the data in one spot and we can easily access the right. data. So just to kind of get people caught up that may not pay attention to this issue very closely, mm-hmm. the gun control crowd, the crowd that wants more gun control, says, you know, guns are rampant, there's crime, there's gun shootings, we need more gun laws, better gun laws. Right. The Second Amendment community has been saying, wait a minute, why would we have more gun laws when we're not enforcing the ones on the books? Exactly. Is that right? Yeah, okay. and I think that's fair. I think it's a fair argument. Um, if we're going to say that we're tough on crime, then, um, you know, on, on gun crime, then we need to prosecute to the fullest extent of the law. So, right. yeah, absolutely. So what you're hoping that this uh, bill will do in the coming years is start to unpack how the attorney general is or is not prosecuting gun crimes. You're, you're curious to see if a lot of them are being plea bargained out rather than actually being I'm prosecuted. not curious about it at all. We know that this data, that this is actually the case because... Um, as I said, the information isn't all in one place, mm-hmm. but that information is already out. But so it's we, out there, but you have to really go at eggs, it. You have to dig yes, through it. Exactly. It's not easily accessible. Yeah. In fact, you know, there is a state rep on the House side mm-hmm. who is an attorney who 
a lot of times is one of the individuals that um, assists these uh, criminals in getting uh, lesser charges and plea deals. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we, we want to see this so data. He, did he oppose the legislation? Curious. I will have to find out. Yeah, because yeah. that would be the suspicion, right? <laughs> All right. So, so yeah. Now, obviously, you didn't do this by yourself. You had some co-sponsors, and then it was also passed in the House. Correct, yes. It passed both chambers, and um, we'll be going to the governor's office or his desk for signature. Mm-hmm. So I also want to point out, so some people may feel like, oh, this might hurt the Second Amendment community. Well, Before you, we do that, do yeah, you want to ahead. shout out any other reps or senators that helped you to get this through yeah the uh we have um on the senate side of course i had my colleagues sign on my republican colleagues like senator rogers and and senator morgan Mm -hmm. and i believe senator paolino also signed on um i should probably have the bill in front of me so that i know because i forgot but i also had democrats sign on so senator chacon um i believe reptakis and lombardo Lombardo, yeah yeah Awesome. So definitely, and on the floor, uh, except for progressives, um, the bill passed with um, bipartisan support. That's great. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Again, huge feat. Yes. To, to be able to do so. Yeah. Awesome job. Yeah. Uh, and then in the House. Um, yeah, I I don't know Rep Casey. It was his bill, mm-hmm. and uh, he's the one that passed it. But it was also had bipartisan support yeah. um, with some of our awesome colleagues on the House side. Um, I don't know all of them, but right. I know that Chippendale uh, and Blake Philippi so were Chip, one of them. Uh, Mike Chippendale, the whip. Yes. And uh, Rep Blake leader. Philippi yeah. is the minority yeah, leader. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Yeah. All but right. I really don't know who else is on the bill on yeah. the, the House side, unfortunately. So you were starting to say that there are concerns. And I saw one person um, share a concern that... If this data is out there, data can be cherry-picked. Data can be mm-hmm. used uh, like a double-edged sword. It can be sure. used both ways. Yeah. Um, when you manipulate be- the data, that's what people try to do. But um, if we have this data available, they're still going to manipulate, manipulate, manipulate the data either mm-hmm. way. Okay. So we, we see that with um, really any argument. So that shouldn't, that shouldn't um, sway us from not requesting the information because right. knowledge is power. We need this information uh, readily available to the public. Um, also, I would point out that I had a conversation in the hallway before heading into session with one of my progressive colleagues. Um, a, a, senator, call, a senator. A senator. I call him a colleague because we work together in the Senate. But, um, yeah, progressive senator. And he said, I said, Could you, are you going to be supporting my bill? This is going to be great. You know, uh, we're going to have a bunch of information at our fingertips. And he said, no, I can't support it because... I think it would only help the conservative talking points. So my, wow. to my shock, I, was, I, I said, so you're saying that this legislation will, in fact, prove that concealed carry holders are not an issue, that they do not commit crimes, as national data suggests, um, uh, that they have the lowest rates of crime. And um, it, it, it just, that was very telling for me. Yeah, but he didn't want to support it because he knew it would help your cause, your case. Right. Yeah. And I, my case is, again, this is the Second Amendment. The, we took an oath to uphold and defend the Constitution, mm. and we cannot be curtailing people's rights. And the data will show, um, as he even suggested, that, again, lawful, law-abiding citizens are not the issue here. Right. And yeah. then there was um, just a, another bill that passed was the... the um, school grounds bill and maybe we'll use the picture but you use the um a really compelling uh 
argument mm-hmm. on the floor of the Senate. You held Thanks. up a petition, right? Yes. Uh, walk people through that bill and then how you made your argument. Yeah, my argument on that bill was that... So the, the bill that passed that I was not in support of mm-hmm. was con, uh, banning concealed carry holders from um, carrying a firearm concealed on school property. Right. Um, the thing is, again, with the data... The data shows, and this is FBI data, and CDC has used this data, is that concealed carry holders have the lowest rates of crime amongst all um, demographics. Uh, all demographics, exactly. Even more than police, uh, or less than police officers. Exactly, right? yeah. Because they have so much to lose. They're private citizens, and you know, you go through background checks, and it's um, your name is out there, and the it, those individuals are of the most law-abiding. So... Um, I didn't see that there was an issue with allowing concealed carry holders on school grounds. We've mm. seen stories nationally of people thwarting um, uh, shootings, shootings yeah. because a concealed carry holder was on the premises, right. um, if at a mall or a school, um, wherever in society. So the other issue that I had was there was a case in 2005 that the Supreme Court heard. It was Castle Rock versus Gonzalez. And for those of you who are not familiar with this case, I would definitely tell you to do a search on whatever social media, uh, whatever uh, search engine you use. What happened was this individual was on the New York subway and he was being stabbed in the head, the neck and shoulders. And there were two police officers in the other cart with uh, firearms. They would not engage the assailant, assailant and... Uh, even though they had firearms and they could assist this man and uh, potentially save his life. Well, thankfully, the man did not die. He, he did not meet his demise. He then sued the New York Police Department and said, you guys should have come to my defense. You had firearms. This man had a gun. There were two of you and one of him. And there I am bleeding out. And um, you did nothing. Well, the Supreme Court ruled that the the police officers do not have a duty to intervene. Mm. And so... That's w- important because that's the argument. That was my argument the on the floor, that yes. The, um, you know, if there's a school shooting, well, we have the police, they'll protect us. But right. you're saying that's not always the case. That's not the case, of constitutionally. Of course, they would take a, many police officers, of course, would even take a bullet. They want to protect I totally kids. agree with you on that. Yeah. But what I'm saying is when we look at the some of the school shootings that have happened where um, a school police officer was hiding behind a building, cowering behind it, and would not engage the shooter, and mm. 17 children died, mm. I'm saying that there is the possibility and the chance that someone may not engage. Right. A police officer may not. I'm not saying that they won't, but the Supreme Court has already set a precedent that the only people that law enforcement have a duty to protect are those in their custody. So it would be those incarcerated or in a mental institution because they can't seek help on their own. I see. Interesting. Was that too long-winded? No. I think <laughs> okay. That's good. It's a, it's a nuanced kind of bill. Yeah. And I think it's confusing to a lot of people. Because I think on the surface, everyone would say, yeah, we don't want any guns in schools. Right. And um, it's, it's not that it's allowing... For just you know, people to bring guns to schools. Right. What it's what you're advocating for is a police, a, a a teacher or a principal who has a concealed carry permit. They should be able to bring it onto school grounds to protect themselves in the event there is mm-hmm. a shooting. Yeah. Because they've been vetted. They've got a criminal background. They've they don't applied. have a criminal background. Actually, actually, <laughs> yes, they don't have a criminal. Thank you. 
Um, so, uh, to your point, they're among the most law-abiding and most outstanding citizens in the in the country. So true. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and so you know, last thing is. And you held that petition up, though. That yeah, was the, yeah, exactly. To me, that was the most memorable part of your remarks. You know, I, I when I got to the Senate floor, I joked around and I said, "This is my speech." I mean, this thing uh, yeah, could like have three taken three inches long, <laughs> uh, tall. The stack of papers. Yeah, it was a very. It was a phone book. Yeah, it was a phone book. That's a very good uh, a picture there for individuals, and um, you know, and lastly is that in committee. Um, I believe I said on the floor it was 12 or 11 were in favor of the legislation while 80 were opposed to it wow. when they called to testify. Mm. And that stack of um, that stack, that petition, a stack of signatures um, only further um, illustrated that. Right. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, um, we're going to take a break here and maybe uh, provide another a part two. Part two. Uh, we'll, we'll take a look at the budget that's going to be discussed this week as well. All right, we're back, uh, and we're at part two. We're going to take a look at the budget, which was uh, how you ended the Senate session. So welcome back, Jessica. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about the budget. Uh, it's, uh, of course, bigger. It just seems to get bigger and bigger. And um, at last count, I think it's over $13 billion mm-hmm. uh, accounted for. Uh, what's your take on the budget? Well, my take is... It's a big budget. Um, there are some important priorities that were addressed. It does not address Zamborano Hospital, mm. um, but we supposedly are coming back in the fall to address um, Zamborano and some other issues as well, what to do with the federal dollars that are coming into our state. Um, one thing that is re- very disappointing, I have to say, is that we still have structural deficits and we are we can't rely on the federal government printing money so unfortunately the budget does not do anything to alleviate or even to reduce the future um tax burden on rhode islanders so um it's just really more like kicking the can down the road so next year our budget will be uh, it will be a problem really yeah I, it, it is something that I've heard from other lawmakers um, mm-hmm. now for several years that it's it's not like there's a lot of wiggle room in the state budget. Um, a lot of the money is already accounted for. You know, it's tied to things like Medicare or Medicaid. Um, so spending that has to, it just, you know, you have to pay it out. Uh, there, there's no choice. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of, you're legally obligated. Um, so is there discussion, is there talks about where, where the fat might be or where the excess spending might be? No, there, there isn't ever any talks about how to rein in spending. Now, yes, there are programs in which we receive federal dollars and so we have to match them, um, with state dollars, Mm -hmm. dollar for dollar or whatever. So, um, but the, the problem is if we're not... If we keep expanding programs like free college and um, uh, free health care for undocumented uh, individuals, then we continue to increase spending. Hmm. And the only way to pay for those new programs is to tax Rhode Islanders even more. Yeah, you've got to increase revenue somewhere. Exactly. To, to pay for those And we can't programs. print money because we're not the federal government. Right. So the only way we can... Um, 
reap or re recover or um, uh, or bring m more funding in is through raising taxes on Rhode Islanders. So it doesn't sound like there were any significant cuts to the budget. Um, were there any tax increases to the budget? There were a few tax increases to the budget, but um, they weren't very significant. Okay. Um, but it does sound like there's a part two to the budget, and that's going to be in the fall. Exactly. So if I, if I hear you correctly, um, Rhode Island received, what was it, about a billion dollars, $1.1 billion in federal funds, and now they have to decide how to, how to use that. That's like a one-time infusion of cash that um, can be used however the state wants. There's talk about applying to infrastructure. Be, it or, can't be however they want. It has to be spent on certain um, on, on What certain are some of those areas. guidelines? The federal government is giving us the guidelines. Uh, we have to adhere to them so that we're not, um, you know, in violation. But, and that's why we're coming back in the fall, because we're trying to see how we can use those federal dollars mm -hmm. for um, Eleanor Slater Hospital System, for example. Okay. We want to make sure that we're applying the money appropriately, otherwise we can get fined. I see. And, I mean, the hospital could... It, it, it's already in danger of losing its accreditation. I think they have a couple of weeks to address some of the the problems going on there. A few, a few days, less than a week. Wow. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, um, this is the end of the 2021 um, General Assembly session. Well, That's kinda right. right, because you guys are going to come back in the fall, but uh, we'll be coming. We'll uh, we'll certainly be. Um, I'm sure having more conversations about the budget and uh, spending priorities and other things. Mm -hmm. um, before we go, there were some wins, though, um, even as we were wrapping up the, 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 the session. Yeah. One of them I found out was the TCI tax that we've talked a lot about mm -hmm. did not pass. Didn't it, get, uh, did it get out of the House? No. Okay. So it passed the Senate, but it did not pass the House. Mm -hmm. So there is hope yet for those that don't yes. want to see a, a gas tax? There's hope, but we have to keep the pressure on because, as I said, next year the budget is going to be uh, a mess mm -hmm. and they're going to need increased spending somewhere and the TCI will be back on the table. But I love that idea that we should do an episode on wins. Yeah. Where did we win? That's Where good. did we uh, make an impact? All right, that's great. Maybe that'll be the next episode. All right. All right, see you then. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Today's closing quote comes from Thomas Jefferson in an address to James Monroe back in June of 1785. He said, My God, how little do my countrymen know what precious blessings they are in possession of, and which no other people on earth enjoy. I confess I had no idea of it myself. Thanks again for listening. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, help us by subscribing and sharing these episodes. And for more content, check out churchandstateri.com.